Hey, this morning we're in our second week of Go Fish, um, which we're talking all about discipleship. And so one of the big goals of the church this year, um, part of our vision, our vision is upward, outward, forward. And a big focus this year is on the upward portion that we want every single person to grow in their relationship with Christ, to become more like Jesus. And so we believe that discipleship is the pathway for that to happen. So last week we talked about kind of what it means for us to be disciples. We're looking at John chapter 1. Today we're going to look just briefly at Matthew chapter 4. But last week we talked about what it looks like for us to be disciples. There were four things. First off, that we have to know Christ. In order to be a disciple of Christ, you have to know Christ. And so part of it is knowing Jesus, knowing who he is, knowing what he's all about. But, but the second part is that we have to choose to follow And so we know Christ, we choose to follow and walk with him every day, and and that is a a conscious decision that we want to follow Jesus. You see this in this text we're going to read in a second, that those words, follow me, come and see, they're used over and over again. The third thing that we looked at is that it's not just a call to know, and it's not just a call to follow, but, but that when we do that, we are transformed to become more like Jesus. And so we are transformed into his image. And then fourth, we are called to serve. And the, the title of the message last week was, Get in the Game. Because we're not just called to sit around and learn about Jesus, And we're not just called to be in a relationship with Jesus, and we're not just called to be changed into nicer people. We are called to be a part of the restoring and redeeming that God is doing in the world around us. So to be a disciple, we need to get in the game, we need to become more like Jesus, we need to follow, we need to know, we need to be transformed, and we need to serve. Well, this week, if last week was about what it means for us to be disciples, this week is what we are called to as disciples. It's the primary task or the the job of a disciple. There's discipleship as in we are discipled, but then there is a calling that when we are discipled, we are then to go make disciples. And so we're going to look at John chapter 1 again. And I want you to, as we read through this story, I want you to be looking at the different characters, and I want you to be watching what happens When they start to follow Jesus, when they experience that moment of discipleship and they choose to follow Jesus, I want you to look at their response. I want you to look at the words that are said. And then I want us to learn how we can not just be disciples, but we can make disciples. Before we read this, let me just make myself very clear today. God's calling on each and every one of us is to be a disciple of Christ to walk with Jesus every day, to know Jesus, to follow, to be transformed, to serve, to get in the game. But God's calling on our life is also to make disciples. We cannot, I'll I'll be even more bold here, we cannot be disciples if we're not making disciples. We cannot be more like Jesus and not going out to share our faith and make disciples for Christ. It's what we're called to do. So let's look at John chapter 1 and just see how this is fleshed out in these relationships. Verse 35 says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. 
When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus, um, was one of the two who, I'm sorry, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. So we see several relationships here. We see several moments where people are called to follow Jesus. And every time that they are called to follow Jesus, what is the response? They go and they bring others with them. They are not just called to be disciples. They are not just called to follow. They are called to share their faith. I want you to see in Matthew chapter 4, this is a parallel passage that talks about this moment in a, in a different passage. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus says to the disciples, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. There's two parts to this. Come and follow me. He calls the disciples to follow him, to grow in their faith, that upward piece we talked about last week, but there's a second part, and I will send you out to fish for men, to make disciples. The calling to be disciples cannot be separated from the calling to make disciples. The discipleship is not just about an inward thing. As we know, as we follow, as we are transformed, as we serve, as we get in the game, God calls us to then go and share our faith with others. And so growing in your faith should always lead, lead you to sharing your faith. So our, our vision, upward, outward, forward, these things go together as we grow in our faith as we mature and become more like Jesus, we are then sent outward to bring others to Christ. We see it all through this story. So let me just be clear one more time. Listen, I, th this is convicting for me. We cannot be disciples if we are not willing to make disciples. They go hand in hand. I was looking up some statistics this week. And most people believe, or not most people, um, but, but a lot of people believe, I believe it's about 64% of people believe that it's the church's job to win people for Christ, not the individuals. That's crazy. 
God's plan for the world is for disciples to make disciples. That's God's plan. It was never about uh, about a church doing something huge. It was never about music or sermons or anything like that. Jesus calls people to be disciples, to follow him. And when they do that, he sends them out to share their faith and bring others. And so today we're talking about that, bringing others. This is God's great plan of discipleship, and we talked about it last week. We are here because of this plan. That's what brought us to this moment, because Jesus called disciples, and then those disciples made disciples, and then on down the line, and here we are. And so what are we called to do? We're called to make disciples. The primary way that the kingdom of God grows is through discipleship. We, we can't miss this. And I honestly believe that in places where the church is stagnant or dying, there are places around the world, and, and I think America is probably one of those places where the church has become stagnant in some places and even is dying in some places. The reason is we've forgotten that we are called to make disciples. That's the way the kingdom grows. So, so the question is this, if we are called to make disciples, what does it look like? I, I want to be clear for you today that what it looks like for you to make disciples. See, I think in the church we've, we've thrown around the term discipleship for a long time, and I think if, if we were honest, when we think of discipleship, most of us probably think of sitting in a classroom or sitting in a group and talking, maybe studying scripture, maybe praying, that's what we think of as discipleship. And for the record, that's, that's, those are great things. But what we see in scripture is that discipleship is about a relationship, it's about following Jesus and others walking with us in that process. It's not just a learning thing, it's not just a classroom thing, but for, for far too long, we've made it into a classroom thing, a program thing. Discipleship is a relationship thing. The other thing I think that we tend to get wrong about discipleship is that we tend to think that discipleship is about taking other people in the church and helping them grow. We tend to think of discipleship as something we do with people in the church. Now, that's not totally wrong. But discipleship is much bigger than what we do in the church. Discipleship is what we do in relationship with each other. So I want to get to what it looks like. There's three types of discipleship. We had a Scott Rainey who um, several years ago when we went to Ukraine for a mission trip, Scott Rainey was the missionary there. He was awesome. I loved spending time with him. And shortly after that trip, um, he was elected to be the head of discipleship for the Church of the Nazarene. And so as we were studying with our group of what it looks like to live out our vision, we had Scott Rainey come speak to us, and he shared the vision for the Church of the Nazarene of discipleship, and there were three phases to it, and they correlate with God's grace and how God's grace works. So I want to go through this, the three phases of God's grace, and how that affects our discipleship. So this is from Scott Rainey. First off, he says there is provenient grace. Do you guys know what provenient grace is? 
Provenient grace is the work of God in somebody's life before they even come to know who God is, before they enter a relationship with Christ. So we believe that God is at work in our neighbors, in our coworkers, in our friends who do not have a relationship with Christ. We believe that God's provenient grace is already at work in their lives. So what does that mean for discipleship? Well, that means we disciple people before they come to know who Jesus is. That's a part of discipleship is helping our friends and our neighbors, helping them come to an understanding of who Jesus is. So there's provenient grace. Number two, there is saving grace. So the provenient grace works before somebody comes to a knowledge or relationship with Christ, but then there's the saving grace, and that's when somebody enters into a relationship with Christ, repents of their sins, is forgiven, and receives salvation, and begins walking with Jesus every day. So we have provenient grace, and then we have saving grace. And in the church, saving grace is something we are called to We'll get more to that in a second. The third kind of grace is sanctifying grace. We don't believe that God just works in our lives. We don't believe that God just saves us, but we believe that God wants us to grow and become more like Christ and reach a point of sanctification. What does that mean? It means we are fully devoted. We are fully committed. We want more than anything else to please God and to live for God. We are fully surrendered to God. So there's provenient, there's saving, and there's sanctifying grace. So how that works out in discipleship is we need to be working in others' lives. We need to be showing them Christ before they ever get to that point. We need to be helping them grow to a place of accepting Christ and receiving salvation and walking with Christ. And then we need to help people as they walk towards sanctification and maturity to be more like Jesus. That happens right here as we help each other grow to become more like Jesus. So I, I think these, there's language used in these three stories, these three um, relationships. So the three relationships I want to look at are John and his disciples, then I want to look at Andrew and Simon, and then I want to look at Philip and Nathaniel. So let's look at them. The first one is John and his disciples, and I think this is a good picture of sanctifying grace. John has disciples. We understand that Andrew is one of them, and there is another disciple that's unnamed. Many people think that's John, the writer of this book, but, but we don't know who that disciple is, but, but these two guys are disciples of John the Baptist. Now, if you know anything about John the Baptist, his entire life was committed to point people to Jesus. That was who he was. That was what he lived for. So to say that these two guys were disciples of John the Baptist doesn't mean that they were trying to become like John the Baptist. It means that he was helping point them towards Jesus. That was what his whole life was about. And so we see this moment in verse 35 where he's sitting there with his two disciples and Jesus passes by and John the Baptist looks at them and says, look, there's the Lamb of God. And so what he's doing there is he's already been walking with them. They are already believers. 
But now he is calling them to a deeper, a more mature relationship with Christ. He says, it's time for you to start following Jesus. And so I think that's a good picture of sanctifying grace. Just look at the language. We talk a lot in, in preaching about Christianese. Sometimes it's easy to talk about things like, you know, like we all know exactly what I'm talking about all the time. But the reality is there are a lot of people, if you were to go out on the street today and you were to say, hey, who is the Lamb of God? Or what is the Lamb of God all about? What reaction do you think you would get from people? I think people would be kind of like, what are you talking about, Lamb? These guys obviously knew what the Lamb of God was all about. And when he says, look, the Lamb of God, they follow. Because that's, that's the Savior, that's the Lamb of God that they have been learning about, been believing in. Now they take a, a deeper walk. So, so let me get to the point of, of this sanctifying grace and discipleship. You will never grow past the point where you need to be discipled. There is not a single person in this room there is not a single position you can hold in the church. There is not a single accomplishment within the faith that you can get to where you don't need to continue to be discipled to grow closer to Jesus and become more like Jesus. Every single one of us needs to continue to be discipled. So what does that look like for us? That means we need to be in relationship with each other. We need to be walking with Jesus together and we need to be pointing each other, helping each other grow in our faith. I meet every week with a friend of mine from this church. And every week, our goal is to grow closer to Jesus and become more like Jesus. It's sanctifying grace. It's sanctifying discipleship. The goal is not to become believers because we're already there. It's to help each other grow to become more like Christ. The second kind, the second relationship, Andrew and Simon. Andrew, when he follows Jesus, he, he realizes what he has. He goes and he finds Simon and he says, we have found the Messiah. I think this correlates with saving grace. See, I'm pretty sure that Simon knows a little bit about the Messiah I think if you went out into the street, and, and let's take away the Lamb of God um, talk, but, but what if you went out in the street and you talked about um, God or Messiah or Savior? Most people would have an understanding of who you're talking about, especially if they've ever been in a church. But, but Andrew experiences Christ. He goes and he brings Simon to Jesus and he says, we have found the Messiah. This is the guy who can save us. This is the one. And so he goes and he brings him. So let me ask you a question. What do you do when something amazing happens in your life? What do you do when you have a great experience? What do you do when you see a really good movie or hear a really, what do you do? What's, what's your response? You got to tell someone. I've got a few friends that anytime something big happens, I get in my car and I call them up and I tell them what's happening. And I have to tell somebody. That's how we're wired. But for some reason, we in the church have a relationship with the Almighty God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, and we sit on it. 
And we come to church and we are comfortable. Man, when I Megan, I'm always trying to get her to watch. I love movies. I'm always trying to get Megan to watch movies with me. I love a good movie. And when I see a good movie, I want to recommend it to everybody I know. And so we have this constant conversation in the house where I'll go to Megan and I'll say, hey, what if we watched a movie? And she'll say, okay. And I'll say, what about this movie? It's a great movie. And she'll say, eh, I was thinking of like some sappy Netflix love story. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. This is a good movie. And just the other night we had this, this debate, I won't call it an argument, debate, where Megan said, why do you care if I see these movies? Why? I said, they're great movies. Quit watching that junk. Watch the good stuff. If I, if I were as passionate about sharing my faith as I am, and I'm confessing to you this morning, if I were as passionate about sharing my faith with others as I am about sharing good movies, I would make more disciples. But I... When I see a good movie, I have to share it, but for some reason, we struggle. We like to be disciples, but we struggle with the calling to make disciples. We have the greatest gift in the world. We have the Messiah. We have the Savior. We have salvation. We can't sit on it. The greatest gift that you can give someone else is to introduce them to Jesus. It's not to tell them the best movie. Another thing we do this with is home remedies. You got a headache? Oh, well, let me tell you what we have that works. Everybody wants you to use their medicine, right? Or their, their special thing that makes things better. But we have something so great. And it's like we hide it. I think we understand that we need to grow deeper. I think we understand that we need to disciple each other in the church to become more like Jesus. And I think we understand that we need to go and we need to share our faith with others who don't know Jesus yet. But I think we struggle in saving grace. I think we as followers of Christ way too often are silent about the Messiah. And what I see from Andrew, I love because it says the first thing he did when he started to follow Jesus is he went and he got Simon. And he said, you got to come on. We found the Messiah and he brought him to Jesus. Listen, if, if you're going to be a disciple, you've got to make disciples. The third relationship, Philip and Nathaniel. The words used here are come and see. See, Philip is asked by Jesus to follow him. Philip starts following Jesus, and then he has to go to Nathaniel. The same thing as Andrew. He's got to go tell him. And he says, hey, we found the one that was written about in the book. If you went out in the street and you said, hey, do you know the person written about in the Bible? Most people, almost everybody, would understand what you're talking about when you say the Bible. But Nathaniel, and I'm not saying Nathaniel wasn't a believer, but, but Nathaniel responds with skepticism. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip's response is perfect. This is something we need to learn when it comes to provenient grace, when it comes to sharing our faith with people who do not yet know Jesus or have a relationship with Jesus. I love his response. 
He says, just come and see. Just come and see the Jesus that I'm talking about. You can be skeptical, that's okay, but come and see. I think way too often we, we feel like we have to have the perfect plan or we have to have all the answers or we have to be able to perfectly lead someone to that moment. Listen, our God is big and our God's provenient grace is going before us. So if we are faithful just to go to our friends and neighbors and family members and say, hey, come and see, I believe that God will do transforming work in people's lives and the kingdom will grow again and again. Discipleship is pretty simple. It's inviting others to come and see Jesus. So one thing that is a a little bit difficult with that is in this story, in John chapter 1, We have Jesus physically walking around in bodily form. They could see him. They could walk next to him. They could hear him. And so to say, follow me, or to say, come and see, that was easy because Jesus was right there. They brought people to Jesus. So how do we, as followers of Christ, obviously, as far as we know, Jesus isn't walking around in bodily form. We, we can't just bring someone to a person of Jesus there. So how do we invite people to come and see? The key to all of this, discipleship is not programmed. Discipleship is relationship. And if we want to invite someone to come and see who Jesus is and what Jesus is all about, the way we do that is we invite them to see Jesus at work in our lives. So we pray with them. We talk about what Jesus is doing. Every single one of us, listen, if you can't tell me what God's doing in your life, if you can't tell me how Jesus is active in your life, you need to grow in your faith. Because each and every one of us should be walking with Jesus every day. We should be experiencing his power at work in us. And when we say, come and see, We're inviting people to walk with us and to see God's work in our lives. The best way for others to see Jesus is to see us walking faithfully with Jesus. So what are we talking about when we talk about discipleship? Number one, every single one of us is called to be a disciple and is called to make disciples. That means we need to have people in our life that are helping us grow closer to Jesus and that we are helping them grow closer to Jesus, sanctifying grace, sanctifying discipleship. That means we, as the followers of Christ, we need to be actively seeking those in our lives that, and, and bringing them to a moment where they can be saved by Jesus. We don't do the saving. It's not our work, but we bring people We help them understand that this is the Savior, the Messiah. And every single one of us should have people in our lives that we are inviting to come and see. So I told you about the the guy in our church that I meet with every week. He and I then have a plan as we enter softball season. We want to get a group of guys and we want to invite them into a relationship with Christ and then every single day, this, we're in the middle of a 14-day discipleship challenge. If you haven't joined yet, please do it. It is an awesome way, a simple way, to disciple others. 
There, you can go on the social media feed of the church. You can go on Facebook, or if you don't have social media, you can go out and there's papers outside. And those are a perfect way to do provenient discipleship, to invest in our neighbors. They're simple. Pray for people. Help your neighbor. Pay for someone. I mean, simple things that all of us can do. We are all called to make disciples. And I just want to say it again. I'm I'm not usually real strong but I'm gonna be strong with you today. You cannot be a disciple of Christ and not make disciples. If you are a disciple, if it's all about you and your walk, you will become selfish, you will become inward focused, and this happens way too much, way too much. We are called to be disciples and we are sent to make disciples. So the worship team's gonna come up and we're going to sing a song, and we've, all these songs today have been about the Holy Spirit lighting us on fire, God giving us a fire, use me, Lord. When we talk about being a disciple and getting in the game, what we're talking about is sharing our faith and bringing others to Jesus. It's not just about making the world a better place. That's part of it. But we are called to build the kingdom through making disciples. So as we sing this last song, I, I, I want to invite you to pray two prayers. Number one, Lord, help me to be a disciple, to grow closer to you today and every single day. Help me to find people that will draw me closer to you. Help me to sharpen other people to make them more like you. And number two, put people in my heart and in my mind, maybe neighbors, maybe friends, maybe family members, maybe coworkers. Put people in my mind that I can disciple to come to know you to receive your salvation and to grow in their faith. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you call each and every one of us to follow you. I thank you that you loved us and that your plan for discipleship didn't leave us out, but that through this plan and through this work, we are here today. I pray, Lord, that you will draw us deeper in our faith, that we will become more like you, that we would grow to sanctification, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to have a faith that's not selfish, but a faith that is shared. I pray that you would bring others to know you through us. So help each and every one of us today to think of those in our lives that we can point in your direction. Maybe it's praying with somebody. Maybe it's just testifying or sharing what you're doing in our life, Lord, but help us to be faithful to share what you've done in our hearts with others. In Jesus' name, amen.